Texas Baptist family, and, and welcome to this conversation between Tamiko and Dr. David Hardis. We're, we're glad to have him with us today, and thank you for your generosity in 2021. If you have not heard the good news, we exceeded our goal for the Mary Hill Davis offering for Texas missions for the first time in a couple of decades. So we are grateful, and we could not have done that without you. We had over 85 ministry opportunities that received support. Yeah. Can you talk to us about those? The first way that the Mary Hill Davis offering for state missions helps us is with church starting. We need new churches, and so a significant part of what you all bless us with, we use for church starting. And then the river ministry, yeah. uh, we probably don't have time to talk about all the needs along the river uh, between Brownsville and El Paso, both sides of the border. But the missionaries that we keep there, the ministries that they do, uh, Mary Hill Davis helps make that happen. And, and the impact they're having is significant. And then all the cultural and ethnic diversity that's happening in Texas, the way the Mary Hill Davis offering helps our Center for Cultural Engagement uh, and, and all the, the Camp Fusion, the Camp Exalted, and the conferences. It just makes such a difference. Well, together, we are Texas Missions, mm -hmm. meaning we can do more together. Amen. And so the week of prayer for Texas Missions is September 11th through the 18th of 2022. And so for this year, we have a goal of $3.6 million. I believe the Lord will do it through our churches. We look forward to partnering with you all and promoting that. We will help that promotion and pastors, please stand in front of your congregations and encourage them to be faithful and generous to the Mary Hill Davis Offering for State Missions in September 2022. Thank you. Thank you all. Well, good morning. It's encouraging to know that after, you know, the, the financial hardships of, during COVID and even the hard times that people are, are still having now, that God is still raising up generous people and that we were able to exceed our offering last year as a state and, and carry on ministry literally from the, the north of the Panhandle all the way to the very tip of Texas and everywhere in between. And so our joy is to participate in the Mary Hill Davis offering for, for state missions. And there's a couple of, of things that you can note in your bulletin this morning. There's, first of all, an envelope, and that is to help you um, as you give and as you, as you pray and seek the Lord. I pray that you would give generously to this because it does provide for ministry opportunities all throughout the state. There's also a prayer guide, the week of prayer, just like they said in the video, starts today. And it gives you a wonderful... Um, snapshot of things that happen within our state and also what your giving dollars goes to to help minister to people um, through prison ministry, through um, multi-ethnic leadership centers, the Go Now missions, um, starting churches, and also the river ministry along the border. And so be sure and pick one of these up. If you didn't get one, they're in the, the bulletin. They'll be on that little table as you go out. And as the Lord um, leads, um, be generous and give to our, our state missions. I want to welcome you in the name of the Lord across Timber. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. And my goodness, wasn't it a wonderful treat to come out our, our front doors this morning and feel um, the coolness of the breeze and the cooler temperature. Um, it is just a hint of the truth that fall is coming. And so we are 
thankful for that, and we're also thankful that throughout our building, um, after we've done some replacement and repair work, um, we have air conditioning available in all our rooms, and so everybody should be nice and cool, and we're well set up for that or to be warm if we need to when cold weather comes. I just want to highlight a few things in addition to our, our state offering. Um, first of all, just all coming up next week on the 14th, um, that is the day of the month that we have selected as a church to pray for revival and spiritual awakening. So take some time, set it apart during that day, and pray specifically, um, not only for the, the pastors and churches in Johnson County, but also for the people in Johnson County that God would bring revival and spiritual awakening. There's more than 150,000 folks in Johnson County alone that, as far as we know, either don't have a relationship with Jesus or aren't connected with a local church. And that's just in one county in, out of 217 in the state of Texas, which is one state out of 50 in the United States, which is one of many in the world. And so we are constantly reminded that there is a need for revival and there are many, many lost people there that still need to know um, the love of Jesus and his salvation. Which leads me into the second thing. I want to encourage you to stick with your one. Who's your one? If you've got your prayer guide, hopefully you're getting close to being completed with that. If, if not, stick to it. Pray for that person. Pray for opportunities for God to use you to share with that person. This is a great resource to encourage prayer. And if you're one of those folks that's a little bit timid and don't know really what to say, I want to encourage you about one other um, tool that we have. Um, it's out there on the table. It's just a little business card sized um, card that has a brief plan of salvation using John 3.16 and a prayer on the back. So if you're, if you're ready and you don't know exactly what to say or how to say it, grab a couple of these cards and use them. Um, don't just like say, here, read this when you have time, but just as God gives the opportunity, go over it with someone and, and see what the Lord might do. But continue to pray and trust that God will bring um, those folks that, are, that we are targeting um, to salvation for His glory. I must remind you of a couple other things. Schedule-wise, I um, just want to note a new date and time for our, our youth and family group. Um, they were previously meeting on Wednesdays. Now they're meeting at 4 p.m. on Sunday afternoons here at the church. They'll be done between 5.30 and 6. So all um, families with students, that's youth um, um, 6 through 12, are invited to attend. There's a, a group for the students as well as adults. And so it's a good opportunity to, um, to invest in the in the future generation of believers here at Cross Timber. That's 4 p.m. starting this afternoon. And also Wednesdays at 11 o'clock, our Bible study and lunch has back in full swing. And we are looking forward to enjoying meals, fellowship, hymn singing, and Bible study together, and also prayer. And we would love for you to join us. So if you have not been able to attend that or thought you might want to, I want to invite you personally. There's no age limit. There's no age restriction. We just say come. We do serve a meal. Um, we do ask, you know, for $2.50 for the meal. But if that is a problem, don't worry about it. Come anyway and enjoy lunch. That's Wednesdays at 11 o'clock. And then also men, just want to remind you, tomorrow morning, 6.30, the Elk Diner will be men's breakfast. And I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Again, if you've never um, been a part of that, give us a try if it fits your schedule. It's a good opportunity to start off the week with breakfast, fellowship, and prayer. Before our deacons come this morning, I'd like us to read from Psalm chapter 84. No, actually, Psalm chapter 85, sorry. Um, so, 
No, it is Psalm chapter 84. Maybe I don't know which one I want to read. Hang on. No, it is 85. Sorry. It shouldn't throw you off too bad because they're only a page apart and they might even be on the same page in your Bible. So um, as long as I have my stuff straight, y'all should be able to follow along. Psalm 85. We're going to begin this morning, um, just for the next few weeks, um, at least through the month of September, looking at the theme of revive us again. What does God want to do in us? What does God want to do through us? What preparation do we need to make as believers if we want to see God bring revival starting in our own hearts and expanding to our families, to our church, and to our community? And in Psalm 85, the sons of Korah write these words. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God, of our salvation. And put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear that God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to the people, to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good. And our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. Gentlemen, will you come pray as we receive our offering this morning? Join with me in prayer. Father God in heaven, we do praise you and give you honor, for we know you are the one true God, and through you all things are possible. Dear Lord, just be with us today in this service. Open our hearts and our minds that we will hear what you want us to hear and to understand. Bless now, dear Lord, this offering that we freely give back to you. And we pray this in your Son Jesus' blessed name. Amen. I need 
I'm from And what my heart's been rescued from Yeah, when they ask me who I owe my whole life to I point to you Would you stand and sing with us this morning?
It's good to be reminded of the precious name of Jesus, the name that is above all names, the name by which anyone can be saved who calls on the name of the Lord and the name that 
speaks peace and brings joy to hearts. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to Amos chapter 4. If you were in Sunday school this morning, um, this is not your opportunity to, uh, to sleep. Um, you should have a heightened awareness and probably an expert perspective on the fourth chapter of, of Amos. It doesn't happen very often, but as I was, was praying and just preparing about the next several weeks as we look toward things that would point toward revival and the theme of revivus again, you know, the starting point, um, like it or not, for, for revival is for God's people to get their heart in the right place. And as you have been studying through Amos in your Sunday school classes, you may recognize in this fourth chapter that there is a an implied call from God's from God to his people to return to him, but yet they don't listen. Same as chapter four, we'll be there in just a moment. But you know, for many years, many people in many places around the world and here in Johnson County have been praying for God to send revival. For churches and church members to regain that passion for things that are that deal with God's kingdom and a, a heart for the lost to reach out in evangelism, for our society and community to be transformed by just a mighty move of God. Now, if you look at the United States, North America, the last great revival that we could recognize happened in the late 1960s and early 1970s. It was called the Jesus Movement. If you were alive during that time, you recognize this time of history when, starting on the West Coast, young people gained a passion for the Lord Jesus, and it quickly spread toward the East, across North America, into Central America, and then on over to Europe. One man who pastors, who was not only a member of that generation, but continues to faithfully preach the gospel today is Pastor Greg Glory, who pastors in California, and he wrote a book called The Jesus Revolution about that time. And he said during that time there were five things that were very distinct. That when we came to church, he said there was an expectancy. They were expecting God to move and do something. That the worship they experienced was both passionate and heartfelt. It was genuine. There was a hunger across the board for the Bible. People just couldn't wait to read God's Word. They had a conviction that Jesus was coming back and that it might be today. And that they invited people over and over again to come to Christ. How did that revival happen? And Lord, we do pray that it would come again. Well, it wasn't because people returned to church. You know, after COVID, people kind of stayed away from church, and then people came back to church. Just coming back to church doesn't bring revival. It doesn't come when people return to doing spiritual things. While those things are important, I'm not saying you don't need to be in church, and I'm not saying you don't need to read your Bible. But revival started in that time and in years before when people got serious about a relationship with God. God brought them the gift of repentance and they were confessing their sins and their selfishness. I love that song that we sang about the blood of 
Jesus. You notice in that that it cleanses us from our sin and our pride. They sought God in prayer and God heard and God moved. And so you could say in a sense revival comes when God's people return to Him. And today we're going to look at that invitation to return to me from the Lord. And see how repentance is the the starting place for revival in, in your life, in our church, in our community. And we'll use these verses in Amos chapter 4 to help us understand that. So let's read together, starting in verse number 1. We'll read the entire chapter. It's only 13 verses. But in verse 1 he says, Hear this word, you cows of Bashan, who are on the mountains of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to your husbands, Bring that we may drink. The Lord God has sworn by His holiness that, behold, the days are coming upon you when they shall take you away with hooks and even the last of you with fish hooks. And you shall go out through the breaches, each one straight ahead, and you shall be cast out into Harmon, declares the Lord. Come to Bethel and transgress, to Gilgal and multiply transgression. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithe every three days, Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving of that which is leavened and proclaim freewill offerings. Publish them, for so you love to do, O people of Israel, declares the Lord God. I gave you cleanliness of teeth in all your cities and lack of bread in all your places. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I also withheld the rain from you when there were yet three months to the harvest. I would send rain on one city and send no rain on another city. One field would have rain and the field on which it did not rain would wither. So two or three cities would wander to another city to drink water and would not be satisfied. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I struck you with blight and mildew. Your many gardens and vineyards, your fig trees and your olive trees, the locusts devoured. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I sent among you a pestilence after the manner of Egypt. I killed your young men with the sword and carried away your horses. And I made the stench of your camp go up into your nostrils. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I overthrew some of you as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And you were as a brand plucked out of the burning. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. For behold, he who forms the mountains and creates the wind and declares to man what is his thought, who makes the morning darkness and treads on the heights of the earth, the Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. Oh, Lord, we come for you this morning as we read these verses. Can't help but have a somber attitude in our hearts about the seriousness with which you deal with sinfulness. But, Lord, we ask that in this somberness you help us to see your grace and your mercy. 
that while there is the reality of judgment, there is also the hope of repentance and forgiveness. Help us as we look at these verses to understand the truth that you have for us, your people. To see that repentance is a gift that you've given us to return to a right relationship with you. So open our ears and open our hearts. We trust you to do this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So repentance returns people to a right relationship with God. We're really going to to explore that as we look through these verses. And there's a simple outline that we're going to follow. It's in your your bulletin. Basically, we're going to identify the problem. We're going to look at the warnings that God gave with no repeatedly with no response. And then finally, the summons from God to prepare to meet your God. So let's look at the first thing. We have a problem. I say it that way because we have a problem just as they had a problem in Amos's day. Amos, that herdsman, fig-dressing farmer who God called to go and preach a message of repentance. It's a great reminder that God uses common people from all walks of life. Amos has given a very serious message of declaring judgment on all the surrounding nations. And Israel is starting to get a little hopeful and maybe a little prideful. God's going to take care of all their enemies. But then God points the finger squarely at Israel and says, you're going to be judged as well. Their relationship with God, that special choosing, didn't excuse them from judgment. In fact, what it did was hold them up to an even higher standard. Didn't you hate it when your mom or dad would say you should have known better? Sometimes I hoped, well, maybe I wish I hadn't known better. Maybe the punishment would have been a little less. But they should have known better as God's people. He set the standard before them that they were to live holy lives that would be a light to the nations. And they should be doing good works. They should be taking care of the people in society. And it becomes clear as you read through the Old Testament that time after time... They fail to live up to God's standard. They would generally start to lose sight of their responsibility. They would live life centered around themselves. And morality would begin to decline. And religious activity would become more and more shallow. It would be all about doing the rituals and not much about a personal relationship with God. And if you wanted to put an overall theme on these verses, the sin that Amos is pointing out, or the Lord is pointing out through Amos, is that of of self-centeredness, being in love with self. And it played out in two places, in society and in their, their worship. And from the words of Amos, we find out that the people are living the good life while neglecting the needy. You see it there in verse 1. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan. What a great way to start a discussion. Let's just offend the women right off the bat. Um, Who are the mountain on the mountain of Samaria who oppress the poor, crush the needy, and say to their husbands, bring that we may drink. Well, who is he actually addressing? He's talking to wealthy women, and he compares them to sleek, well-fed cattle of Samaria who had the priorities of food and pleasure, who lived in fine houses with expensive furnishings. 
But you're wondering, why in the world is he going after the women? What have they done? Well, women are often the barometers of culture. You know, men were generally thought to be, you know, troubled um, throughout. But if you have a society where even the women are full of corruption, likely the whole society is polluted. So he's not talking to stay-at-home moms. He's really addressing women that you could describe as cruel women who, who loved wine would be a simple way to describe that. And these women had no concern for the poor, representing society, that they were living the good life in their homes and outside the walls. There were needs all around them, and yet they ignored them. More concerned with their comfort and even willing to make the poor suffer more so they could live the kind of life they wanted to. They oppressed the poor. They crushed the needy. And the only thing they were interested in was feeding their appetite for, for more. Bring us more. And it represents it through wine. They had an insatiable appetite for, for more. And the result that the Lord speaks to Amos is that these women would be dragged away from their comfortable couches in their fine homes with hooks in their lower lip or noses. The Assyrians were not very kind people. They were harsh and cruel, and both from what we read in the Bible and through the art of the time, we see that the Assyrians would often string together captives like fish on a line or cattle on a lead, and they would drag them where they wanted to go. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody had a hook in my mouth, I would probably be inclined to go in the direction they wanted me to, and they would lead them. They would be punished. They would be taken out of their homes because of this self-centered life. But also that self-centeredness would lead to them having a self-made religion where the focus was on me, where the only concern was they wanted to be a part of what made them feel good and happy. And even today, we still find ourselves, if we're not careful, looking for A religion that gives me what I want. We pray to God asking for what we want. We want to listen to the music that we want and do the things that we want. And if something makes us feel the least bit uncomfortable, we just dismiss it and say, well, we're not going to do that. And so in their selfishness, they developed this man-centered religion where they took part in meaningless acts of worship. They were going through the motions, but their heart really wasn't in it. And in mocking tones, God speaks to Amos and says, come to Bethel and transgress. Now the normal call to worship, come to Bethel and worship. But here, filled with sarcasm, is this invitation. Pointing out that They were doing the things that seemed right, but their heart wasn't there. That it was about me and myself and I, not about the Lord's. And at best, what they were doing could be called rebellion, and it certainly wasn't worship. Well, there was plenty of religion going on. They were offering sacrifices every morning. They were bringing tithes every three days when the law required only three times per year. They were given their thank offering of unleavened bread. 
the way they wanted to. They were offering a sacrifice that was inappropriate to the Lord. Because in Leviticus we find that the burning or the offering of leavened bread was forbidden. And they would give extra offerings from time to time and make sure everybody knew about it. And all the while, they were really just doing things their way and not God's way. And God's response in verse 5, For so you love to do, O people of Israel, declares the Lord God. Do you notice there's no hint of it pleasing God, but it says you're self-pleasing. And in fact, God despised their worship because it was for their own pleasure, not for their own. It was full of activity, but there was no heart behind it. They were detached from godly living and repentance. They were ignoring the people outside, and God's message to them was to keep your worthless worship. And God will punish you, or repent and return to God. And it's a reminder, you know, today we we still need to be careful. Selfishness creeps in at every turn. Acts of worship with no heart transformation. We want our way instead of what God wants. And like a good physician, God continually points those things out. He gives us the diagnosis because he wants us to, to change. And he used his prophets to deliver that message in that day. And he gave them solutions that was sufficient to return to him. But they didn't listen. I was wondering, I was thinking to myself, you know, how often do do I ignore God's diagnosis of my condition? And how often do you? You know, when God begins to whisper in your mind, you know, things that need to change, sin that needs to be you know, put to death, self that needs to be laid to rest, and we ignore. And how many times in that we refuse his invitation to to repent? And that's exactly what we see that in verses 6 through 11, there were repeated warnings, but there was no response. That God used natural disasters and calamities throughout history to warn and discipline his people. Now, they would turn to God for a moment, but usually only long enough for it to stop. They would behave long enough for the punishment to end, and then they would return back to what they were doing. And all the while, because God was full of grace and mercy, he would continue to give opportunities for his people to return. As one person said, God loves his people so deeply that he refuses to abandon them easily. And he gives a list of five catastrophes that are meant to get Israel's attention. Each one of them has a common phrase at the end, yet you did not return to me, implying that they didn't listen. He brings famine or lack of bread, drought. So no bread, which was important, the staple food of the day. No water, which would provide for the crops. Crops would fail by other means whether by drought, mildew, or locusts. So their gardens and vineyards and trees would be destroyed. He brought disease and death through disease and also through war. Verse 11, the cities were destroyed either by earthquake or armies. And he compares it to the destruction of those two sinful cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
terrible, total destruction with only a few survivors. But in that calamity, there's a little bit of hope. There's this phrase, a brand plucked from out of the burning. Reminds you of Zechariah chapter 3, if you've read that chapter, that God would preserve. He would save a remnant that would be rescued almost at the last moment. By His hand. And all of these catastrophes had a a purpose. God wanted His people to return to Him. Now the invitation is not there, but we do see the people's reception. If you look at that, all five verses, 6 through 11, have, Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. God was responsible for the calamity. His attention was to discipline and get the attention of His people. Reminds me of the truth that that God you know, allows things in our life to, to draw us toward Him. He never wastes anything. There's a plan and a purpose. And in the nation of Israel, He's wanting them to turn from their old ways and turn to Him. It's a promise we see in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. In Zechariah chapter 1, verse 3, Thus, therefore say to them, Thus declares the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. It's a wonderful picture of God's willingness based on our turning toward Him. And then in James 4, 8, Turn, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, your, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And so throughout history, God gave Israel, His people, plenty of opportunities. There were warning signs posted all around the way, but the people just didn't listen. So God would judge them, but because of His promise through Abraham, He would save a, a remnant. A few faithful Jews would be set aside to keep His promise and continue His purposes. And because Israel didn't return to God, Amos tells them to get ready. So in verses 12 through 13, you see, prepare to meet your God. Look at verse 12. Therefore, thus I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. Repeated for emphasis. I will do to you. God is giving assurance by His hand. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. Now it's interesting, you know, if you read this in in the context, that's obviously a very sure sign that God is preparing His people for, for judgment. That there's going to be a day of judgment and you better get ready. It would be a word of challenge to those who were opposed to God and unwilling to change. It would be a warning to those who were wavering on the fence. It would also be an invitation to change heart and turn toward their God. And you know, like it or not, it doesn't matter who you are, where you live, throughout all of history, everyone will meet God. Even the people that don't believe. (laughs) They can doubt His existence. Um, They're going to be... um, 
proved wrong when they appear before him. And in that eternal judgment, every man and every woman who is apart from Jesus will face a judgment that's certain and, and final. It's the reality of living um, apart from Jesus. And all those who repent will turn toward Jesus and find salvation and life in Him. And Israel, the nation, ignored God's warning and they were to prepare to meet judgment. In fact, we know that the nation would be destroyed and because God would preserve a few, that there would be a remnant who would be snatched from the flame. But if you think about that phrase, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. I mean, at first, it's a, it's a very sobering reminder. It should wake up our attention and realize that we will stand before God, but it's also a sweet invitation. And, and I think it not only extends, it extends all the way to eternity, but I think it applies to us daily as we seek to commune with our, our God. Eternally, if you're not ready, you face consequences. But the beauty in this prepare to meet your God is that God, through His grace and mercy, allows for a beautiful thing that we call repentance. And I think it's time that a lot of us change our mind about what we think when we hear the word repentance. That for, for many of us, when we hear that word, it's, I got in trouble, I, I got busted. Now I've got to say I'm sorry, and God's going to punish me. He's going to ground me. No, no. God gives us the gift of repentance, as Acts tells us, to bring us refreshing. It's how we enjoy the benefits of our salvation, the, the freedom from guilt and shame that He offers us. Because God seeks to ultimately save, not to judge. And He sent Jesus to be our Savior into the world, not to condemn the world. As one writer said, God never bids people or individuals to prepare to meet Him without a purpose of good to those who prepare to receive his sentence, the right. But he never invites us to meet him without giving us the means to meet him in a right standing through Jesus. So in regards to salvation, you know, the only way that we can be saved is to repent, to turn from our sin and ourself, and to turn and put our faith in Jesus, but also the way that we enjoy a right relationship with the Lord on a daily basis where we hear His voice, we fellowship with Him, we're free from guilt and shame, is to continually practice repentance. And to remind His people of the certainty and the ability to judge, Amos describes God the Creator who controls the wind and makes the mountains who knows thoughts of men and women, who reveals those thoughts to men and women, his own thoughts. 
who shares his perfect wisdom. And who can make the morning darkness? It's an interesting phrase. God has the ability to turn light into darkness and to turn and to cause darkness to turn to light. His power over all of creation. He treads on the heights over all the earth. No one is higher than He is. There's nothing higher than Him. The kingdoms, mountains that are established would all fall according to His power. And you see in this the beauty that God has complete power over everything and yet He wants a personal relationship with you. God controls everything, can do everything, but yet He wants to fellowship with you. And today, He still calls out to us as people prepare to meet your God. Get yourself ready. Repent or return to Me. Trust in Jesus to be your Savior, but then also throughout your life, continue to find forgiveness, freedom, and life. Abundant life each and every day because repentance returns people to that right relationship with God. We've looked at that in regards to salvation, but it's also the way that we grow in Jesus day after day. That we become repeat repenters, if you want to say it that way. Why? Because we're repeat offenders. We continually blow it and and mess up. Now certainly God has forgiven us at the point of salvation. And so, you know, if you know leaving a a sin unconfessed is not jeopardizing your salvation. But what it does jeopardize is open communication between you and your God, sweet fellowship and freedom. And so our goal is to live a holy life and to be lights that shine in darkness and Part of that needs to be a daily you know, cleansing. So we mess up. We blow it. We get dirty. But God's made a way for us to be clean and to come clean into His presence. Communication is hindered because we become selfish in our thoughts, in our actions. But God has made a way for crystal clear communication. Relationships between you and God become fractured. Relationships between you and other people become strained. And God has given us the gift of repentance to clear up what's between us. It's a wonder to think about God. That He is so holy that He takes sin seriously. That it's Serious enough that it costs the death of his son, but he warns his warns everyone graciously. He forgives generously. He'll refresh us frequently. And when we mess up, and I know y'all probably don't, but I mess up a lot. Um, you know, or we do something that doesn't line up with his word. He gives us the gift of repentance. He doesn't want us to just walk around hiding in the shadows full of guilt and full of shame. He wants us to experience freedom in 
who he is and what he created us for. And so he invites us lovingly to come to his presence and receive forgiveness, to repent. And if we want to see revival in in our lives, in, in, in the church, in the community, then God's invitation starts with return to me. It's the foundation for revival and awakening. And so, so based on Amos 4, I just want to give you a couple of places to start before we pray. And these may or may not apply to you. They may apply to you like a lot. They may apply to you a little. God may be speaking something else. But just based on this whole notion of self-centeredness. Maybe it's a self-pleasing lifestyle that God is dealing with you about. And you would say, God, forgive me for putting my wants and my needs above other people, above my spouse, above my kids, above people in my community. Maybe it's, Lord, forgive me for selfishness and pride. Or, Lord, forgive me for seeking out what only what makes me feel good and avoiding anything that would make me uncomfortable. So we have self-pleasing lifestyles, but we also have self-centered worship. And, and I don't want you to think about that just in context of, you know, the hour or so we spend here, but just your, your life. You know, our lifestyle is supposed to be a life of, of worship. And maybe that prayer is, Lord, help me. Lord, forgive me for being too busy doing religious things and not being focused on a relationship with you. It's true, we can do so many church things that we can totally miss Jesus in the middle of it. Oh, Lord, forgive me for making worship more about me than about Jesus. Or forgive me for worshiping you only one day of the week. Forgive me for thinking that just attending church is enough. God wants every bit of it every day. As we close, I just want to tell you the starting place for revival, if we want to see God work, is the foot of the cross. My prayer is that God would help us to choose the way of the cross, that we would become so unsatisfied with ourself, our flesh, that we would choose to crucify it and follow him daily. I truly believe that God wants to do great things, and revival can start in our hearts today simply by beginning to respond to his invitation to return to him. Will you pray with me? Lord, it's so true that your your word is faithful and you speak honestly and openly to us and help us to be willing to listen somehow in what we shared this morning, Lord, uh, you would remind us of your willingness to forgive us, the need that we have for repentance, and the invitation that we have to come to your presence, to return to you, that you would refresh us and restore us.
Lord, it's a work that only you can do. So, Lord, help us to see that you're for us, that you're not against us. That while you're holy, you're also loving and gracious. That you don't want us to stay where we are, but you want us to be who we can be in you. So open our hearts, open our minds, help us to hear your voice as you speak to us, your people. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. As we sing here in just a moment, we're going to sing there's something about that name. And it's a great reminder that it's a name that brings salvation, brings healing, brings hope, brings forgiveness. And just as the Lord um, speaks to your heart, there's different ways that he may lead you to respond. Maybe it's just to pour out and say, God, I just... I need, you know, a freshness of your, your spirit. I need to be free from the burden of, of myself, and I need to be released to, to enjoy the, the life that you've intended me to live. Maybe there's sins you need to confess. Maybe there's relationships you need to make right. Maybe God's inviting you to be a part of this fellowship and to join as a member, or maybe for the, the first time Jesus is speaking to your life and you realize, I need this salvation. I need life anew in Jesus. You can pray where you are, you can pray at the front, but I do invite you to stand um, and listen to the Lord as we sing together and respond as he speaks to our hearts. So let's stand. opportunity to enjoy the coolness of the day, maybe some sunshine on your face, maybe some time outside enjoying the green grass that we still have in September, which is miraculous, and we're so grateful for it to see the the beauty of God's creation. Thank you for worshiping this morning.
been good to be together in the house of the Lord. We're going to sing this morning, and when we begin to sing, you're free to go. The Lord bless you. Thank you. 